You're listening to The Expansion Chronicles, a podcast about expansion of startups into the U.S. On this podcast, we talk about the main mistakes that founders make while trying to move from their home turf and build divisions of their companies in the U.S. We try to explain how to avoid these pitfalls and what tools can be helpful in this complicated process. So if you are a founder located outside of America and think of growing your company in the States, this podcast is definitely for you. So let's jump into the episode. And today is a guest speaker. We have Neil Svinja, founder and CEO of 30 Day Leadership. And this episode, we'll talk exactly about that leadership and specifically how can founders located outside of the United States be successful leaders for the American employees. So Nils, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on the 30 Day Leadership. Wonderful. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Constantine. Excited to talk with you and your audience about leadership, especially you know for those people, founders who are outside the U.S. Uh, love what you're doing. You and First Base are doing and providing opportunities to grow and build companies here in the states. Um, so I run a company called Thirty Day Leadership, and the name, the reason behind the name, has nothing to do with the fact that you're going to master leadership in thirty days. <laughs> it has everything to do with the fact that. If you focus on one area at a time for a period of 30 days at least, you can make significant progress in developing leadership skills. And I've been a certified leadership coach for the last 10 years and have worked, spent thousands of hours coaching clients one-on-one and really help them to overcome leadership challenges, whether that was in an early stage startup, a growth stage, a scale stage, or a Fortune 100 company. Um, I've seen pretty much across the board, the biggest challenges that leaders struggle with, with their teams, with their organizations, with their, um, you know, their profiles of their own role within their orgs. And it's been a blast. And I took all of that incredible expertise and time spent helping people solve problems and put it into a book called 30 Day Leadership Playbook, your guide to becoming the leader you've always wanted to be. And I'm offering a free digital copy to your listeners. All you got to do is go to 3030dayleadership.com forward slash book, and you can get uh, drop your name and email in there, and I will send you a digital copy right away. Perfect. Love that offer straight off the bat. Digital copies are awesome, and usually they consist of tons and tons of extremely useful and condensed information. So you can cover that in a matter of minutes. So yeah, go for it. I'll make sure to follow up with Nils and include all the links that will be mentioned in the episodes. So now that we covered that, let's jump into the main subject of the discussion and specifically leadership. So uh, Nils, let's start it off by talking about some of the bigger companies that you have uh, advised and uh, taught about leadership, which is few of them are Oracle and Zendesk. Zendesk is one of the most essential tools that we're using here at First Base for our customer success, using it on the daily basis, quite literally 24-7. So uh, coaching companies this size, what kind of concepts that you explain to them do you think can be applicable to startup founders of far smaller scales. So startup founders with uh, as few as 10 employees. Yeah. So the interesting thing, Constantine, is that the foundational elements that I focus on from a leadership development perspective are equally applicable to Oracles and Zendesk of the world as they are to the founders with zero to 10 employees. 
and they're applicable whether you have 100 employees or 500 employees, right? And the reason for that is that leadership and its application is universal across the board, regardless of your specific company, your specific industry. I'm, I'm leaving apart outside some industry. I'm kind of focusing generally on the B2B market, typically B2B SaaS, which is where the vast majority of my time and effort is spent and has been spent with clients. So the challenges being faced by leaders at large organizations are essentially the challenges being faced by leaders at small organizations. And so that part, you know, kind of makes it a level playing field that regardless of where you are, there are leadership tools that can help you improve in building better relationships with your employees, which we'll talk a little bit more about later because that's a key part, especially coming in from an outside the US to a US market. Um, helping your employees to save time, helping your employees to get promoted, helping your employees to inspire their team, right? The, if you have um, people, leaders who report directly to you, how are they engaging with their teams and how are you engaging with them? So I think the more important question is, you know, what is the single biggest leadership challenge that you are facing, whether it's around the, you know, driving uh, behavior, driving change, um, driving performance, measuring performance, whatever that is. And then we can take a step back and say, well, all right, with that challenge, what's the mo most appropriate leadership tool or tools that we should use in order to help you solve that challenge? So again, I coach people currently uh, inside a program I run called the B2B Leaders Academy, who are at every different level from at every different size of organization, from first-time manager, director, senior director, VPs, up, you know, in early stage, growth stage, and even publicly traded companies. Nice. That is very cool. So let's go and talk about the smaller firms who are based outside of the United States. And first question is going to be how many of those are in your practice or how many of those founders coming from outside of the U.S. into the United States in order to expand their companies? How many of those have you coached or how many of them have you advised throughout your career? Yeah, um, quite a quite a number, um, to be completely honest. So prior to rewriting my book on leadership, and just when I was a leadership coach, I was also um, a customer success consultant and have deep expertise in the field of customer success and actually formed the very first customer success consulting firm that ever existed in January of 2015. So seven and a half years ago, which is pretty amazing, um, looking back on that time frame, And my myself was a CSM before uh, all of this started. And then I rose through the ranks to director and to VP in a very short period of time. And that formed the basis of going out to market and saying, well, I know there's a lot of people out there who need some help in customer success and I wanna be able to help them. So mm -hmm. I've been running that consulting business for a very long period of time. And in that I have worked with companies virtually all over the world, most of them in, in Europe um, and a few in APAC, but mm -hmm. predominantly in Europe. And then on the coaching side, many of my clients have come from outside the US as well on account of the fact that they can get access to leadership coaching and training through the B2B Leaders Academy program that I run. And I serve an entirely worldwide audience. We literally have people on almost every continent in the nice. program today which is fantastic. And the interesting thing, again, just like I was talking about before, is that the challenges that they are facing are no different than what their peers are facing in other countries or in other companies. Interesting. That is actually very interesting because I know as a European myself, I know the struggles of being integrated into this American mindset and understanding the American culture in general. So 
let's talk about those European founders. Quite a few of our listeners and a few of our customers at first base are European based or Europeans in general. Um, yeah. So when those people, let's let's say a German founder based out of Germany reaches out to you or uh, comes to the United States and starts building their team from the ground up here mm -hmm. in the US, let's say they're starting to build their sales team. What yep. are the major uh, things that they need to learn about this American mentality or you know, approach to the uh, their American-based employees that will help them grow a successful team? Yeah, a great question. And I think one of the key things first is to recognize that while there are a lot of generalities, generalities will get you nowhere fast when it comes to leadership. And what I mean by generality is saying that, well, the American mindset is X or people of this age range all want Y, mm -hmm. right? And those kind of generalities are killers because what they are really is masquerading is just assumptions and assumptions when it comes to leadership are absolutely just some of the biggest destroyers of trust that there is. So instead my recommendation would be to talk to the people that you are bringing into the organization and understand them at a personal level and understand what makes them tick and what inspires them and what would be meaningful for them over the next 12 months and where do they want to be in their career in the next 12, 24, 36 months. Mm -hmm. right? If you focus on the individual you can have a much better chance of connecting and actually creating an environment that people want to be part of, as opposed to if you just come in and say, well, you know, typically Americans like XYZ, so we should build an environment that supports XYZ because that's yes. just the way it is, right? It's an assumption. So test your assumptions, validate your assumptions. And the best way to do that is to start on a personal level and just ask the question, yep. what's really inspiring to you? What kind of an environment do you want to be part of? You know, how would you like to see the culture of this, you know, branch of our company evolve and ask this to everybody, not just the leaders. I think all the people who are going to be, have a part of that. And you will get some very honest answers if you ask it and come from a place of genuine curiosity, as opposed to coming in saying, well, here's what we're going to set up. This is the way it's going to be, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Very good point, Nils. A lot of uh, employees stay for far longer if they believe that what they're doing at this company is going to help them in their future, in their careers, and it's just aligned with their general, you know, life plans. And yeah. And if they know that their employer wants to know yes. what that is, then, <laughs> then that's, that's just magic sauce right Absolutely. there, right? That's just immediate trust building. Because how many times have you worked for a company where nobody ever asked you that? I know I personally worked for most every company I did have in my <laughs> professional career. Nobody ever asked me, but you know what? The first question I asked every single person that ever reported me, that was it. Because if I understood that, I could understand how I could help develop them and grow their career, which ultimately was fulfilling for me and Absolutely. seeing them rise was you know huge for them as well. Absolutely. This is the best thing to do. And people just work harder if they feel like the work that they're doing right now is helping them in the future. And That's yeah, right. great, great question to ask on the interviews. Great question to start with uh, on pretty much all the new hire discussions and general partners, even, uh, you know, make yeah. sure that your partner's vision is aligned with what you're doing here. Um, so on this note, let's, let's talk about some downsides of being non-US based founder who doesn't, who's not super familiar with the US uh, mentality and the general sense of, uh, you know, the American mentality that they have is, 
you know, Americans love big burgers, big cars, <laughs> and uh, big shows. Uh, so <laughs> what are the most common pitfalls that, uh, let's say, European founders or any founders from outside of the United States uh, go into? Or what are some of the general mistakes that those founders make while starting to hire and while starting to build their teams in the United States from the ground up? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm a perfect example of how that is, how an assumption can be very misguided. I don't eat meat. Uh, I don't own a car, uh, and I like small things. <laughs> like, All right. You know, so it's it's the exact opposite. And but that's just me, right? You talk to somebody else that I'm working with, and it's the complete opposite. And they love mm-hmm. meat and burgers more than anything, and they fit that profile perfectly. That's so me. You just, you just, that's you, right? So you just <laughs> never know. Um, and and that's again. The pitfall, just highlighting first what we talked about before, is never make assumptions, number one. Uh, number two is believing that uh, whatever you know works in your home country or your native um, region, wherever that may be in the world, is still going to apply here. Right. And just for the sense that things are different, cultures are different, um, you know, personalities are different, entire norms, social norms are different. And just to have an open mind, right, that whatever, you know, worked when you opened an office in your home country, not necessarily the same thing that's going to work when you open an office here in the States. And that's okay. And again, come from a place of curiosity to ask for the input, they will tell you. Like, you don't have to come up with this on your own. That's the best part. Yes. Like, there can be a lot of pressure. Like, oh, I got to set up this office. I got to make it perfect. And I got to design. I can guarantee you 100%, if you try to design it yourself, you will fail. However, if you go in and you ask the people, what should we design? How should we do it? How should this be set up? And you take all the recommendations. You can make decisions. You know, it doesn't have to be decision by committee. You can make a decision based on all that information and have a far greater chance of success. Mm-hmm. So it's the involvement of, of the uh, individuals who are going to be part of the office here. And especially at the very beginning, you know, getting it set up initially, um, that's just a, a critical piece. And oftentimes there's one person who's responsible for setting up the office. Perhaps it was somebody from the, um, you know, the home office back wherever that is in whatever country it is. And then they come over to the States to get things rolling, get set up. And that's totally fine. But having that point person and having that infused with that idea that, listen, I don't have the answers. However, I know that if I ask these right questions, people will tell me the answers and then I can just knock it out of the park because when you give people what they ask for, they're kind of excited. So, you know, that, single most important thing is just ditch the assumptions and just ask the question and just be open. That is going to serve you well, no matter what. Absolutely. It pretty much works on in every single occasion, even if you're dealing with a customer, just ask them, you know, they're, they're not going to hide what they want. They want to you to know what they want. And then you're like, Oh, our product actually does exactly that. And then bam, you've got yourself a deal. It's that easy. Sometimes that's right. Just ask. Um, We make it more complicated than it needs to be a lot of times. (laughs) 100% very frequently, far too frequently speaking of, uh, you know, setting up the office and having one specific employee starting or getting things off the ground, getting it running in the States. uh, There are usually two types of founders, one that's okay. Three types of 
founders. One that go here into the US themselves and uh, just start hiring from the ground up uh, yeah. and building their team from, you know, like SDRs and more and more SDRs. They manage the SDRs themselves. Then they hire the VP of sales and then they let them run it. The second part is the second kind is the founders who actually start by hiring the VP of sales and let them do the rest of the hiring process. Which one do you think is best to have this like common authority, the mm. CEO who controls everything in every single new territory? Or do you think it makes sense to delegate this kind of work and let the VP of sales in the US be like the key person in that region? Yeah, personally, I would probably lean more towards the second where you have an established mm -hmm. leader, whether it's Sun Sales or CS or product, whatever the function may be. Um, and, <clears throat> and with the caveat that the relationship you have with them is largely going to determine in the, at least in the initial stages, the relationship you have with that office. Mm -hmm. So this has to be somebody you 100% trust and are on very good terms with um, because they're going to have a very large portion of the building responsibility and yes. the culture responsibility and the integration of, you know, your home culture into the company as well. Like we shouldn't just be focused on what do we do here in the States and then create two completely different worlds, one in the US where the office is. And if you go to the other office in the home country, it's completely different world. Like we shouldn't mm -hmm. be that far off. They're going to be different, but they shouldn't be 180s from each other. So I think, you know, having a central leader point is probably going to serve you well because of the access to their network, access to other insights. And as long as there is an extremely high level of trust there um, and a regular communication cadence that where, you know, you have a set things you are keeping track of from a culture perspective, from a progress perspective, from a sales perspective, all those things, as long as you have that kind of a system in place, I think it, you know, can be wonderful. And, you know, the benefit of being in different parts of the world is that somebody's always working on the problem, right? On whether it's a sales problem or mm -hmm. product problem, engineering problem, success problem, whatever it is. Um, and that can be hugely beneficial to your customers as well as your employees, because by the time, you know, the States here is going offline, somebody else in other part of the world's coming online. And that can be a really beneficial thing. So the relationship with that initial leader is largely going to determine your relationship with that office in the early stages. So that relationship is strong. I think you have no problem creating a really strong connection between multiple offices, um, as well as to the audience in the U.S. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, the, every single approach has its own benefits, um, but I'm definitely with Nils on this one. And I think that you should delegate. Um, for founders who are listening to this and they're like, all right, that makes sense. Uh, I would like to hire a VP of uh, whatever they're building here in the States. Um, as soon as possible but as you said there has to be a very high level of trust and you can't just form that super high level of trust right off the bat with someone how can founders who don't really have any close friends here in the us um get this process running how can they find this very trustworthy person where should they look at or what characteristics should they look at while hiring that person yeah so a couple options come to mind number one are you know headhunters who are uh, use that term very specifically, not necessarily just general recruiters, but people who highly, are highly specialized in sourcing uh, high-level candidates for leadership roles within especially early-stage companies. Um, I think, think that can be a great source to start with um, for not just to find the candidate, but usually the qualifications and the criteria to get past the screening and get into the interviews 
um, can all be crafted to customize to what you need, which is, you know, we're going to figure out first, are these people at the level of trust capable <laughs> of doing that? Right. And there's mm -hmm. lots of different ways to qualify people out of that who don't fit that bar, especially on, you know, whether it's a VP of sales or, or product or engineering or whatever it is. So you get to customize your own channel, uh, right, of candidates coming in. Now, this is going to be a little bit more expensive, of course, because you're hiring someone to do the sourcing for you and do a lot of the work, but you're going to save a tremendous amount of time because these are people who is, whose entire job is to have a Rolodex of experts to be able to call on at any point in time and find the right solution. They're not just going out and posting on LinkedIn and whatever. They're tapping yeah. into their own personal networks. And anytime you can do that uh, to someone who has that established network, you're going to win in the long term, no matter mm -hmm. what. So I would much rather pay the money up front and save the time than I would you know, spend trying to uh, save the money over a long term and just eat away at the time because time's probably not on your side, depending on how fast uh, your company is growing. Um, so that's number one. Number two is uh, everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. So this is a bit more <laughs> on the personal side, right? Um, and founders are great at this, right? Even in other countries, you know, asking the simple question, hey, I'm looking for a leader in sales. Who do you know in the United States who's a great leader in sales? For no mm -hmm. other purpose than just connecting and learning from those people about what it takes to be a great leader in sales. And you never know where the next introduction is going to come from. There's so many wonderful serendipitous moments that occur in every early stage company that just make incredible culture stories um, that go along with that. So I think even in addition to the, the sourcing, uh, having a headhunter, there's also a great opportunity to just continue this thread all the time, right? And always be looking out for who can I connect with and for the sole purpose of just connecting, that's it. So mm -hmm. I would say those two, I would, you know, given that time's probably a priority, fastest way is going to be find a headhunter that specializes in early stage or whatever stage company you're at and pay the money and know that you're gonna get a great result on the other end. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you might wanna spend some time, a few months or whatnot before they hire an entire team to really work closely together. Maybe they come over to the home office and spend a couple of weeks with you. Maybe they, you know, you come over to the States and spend some time with them. This is a time intensive thing to build that level of trust that I'm talking about, but it will far, you know, pay incredible dividends down the line if you invest it up early. Absolutely. Definitely. Start as soon as early. If you know that in half a year, you might start or you might uh, start expanding your company into the US, start finding connection there as soon as humanly possible. It is not a college where you can lay off your assignment for the last day and then just, you know, <laughs> do an overnighter and fix all of this. It is Great not point. how it works. So if you feel like you might be expanding into another country, maybe not even the United States, start doing it as soon as possible. Uh, because as Nils, you said, it is very uh, time intensive task yeah um and come, so, come to conference the other thing i guess just popped in my mind come to conferences yes um in the yes. in the states you know that's one of the best places to just network and know everybody there is there to meet people right Absolutely. obviously learn what's the latest and greatest but you know it's a great opportunity where you get a few thousand people probably in one place and you never know what connection is going to happen there that'll lead you to the next person that'll lead you to the next person that'll lead you to your hire absolutely that's how it frequently works you find the most bizarre connections in the most bizarre ways yep and that is the rule of the startup world um but before we move on to the very last question of this episode quick questions on the headhunters 
I know that it, this strategy can work really well, can save founders a ton of time and can yield amazing results. But especially for the founders outside of the United States who are not very familiar with the American prices, which can be very high, especially for hiring senior level management people. Uh, what kind of expenses can founders expect to face for hiring a headhunter? Mm, that's a great question. I don't have intimate knowledge of the um, pricing structure for headhunters. The only thing that I can say is that whatever you end up spending is think of it as the you're paying yourself in terms of time. That's it. Um, I don't know what the volume or what the level is. Different headhunters, I'm sure, charge different ways, uh, whether it's a flat fee or whether it's a percentage of the first year's salary or something along those lines. But talk to as many headhunters as you can find and get the get the intel and, and see if there's one that aligns with your beliefs on how this kind of process should work and mm-hmm. should make sense. And just know that you're trading time for money. If you're absolutely, if you have a shortage of time, spend the money. If you have a shortage of money, spend the time, but you're going to pay for it one way or the other. That is very true. Good luck for people who have shortage of time and of money, which is very frequently in the startup world. Yeah. But I'm sure you can power through this. Um, Last question before we move on to you. The last question is where to find those headhunters? Where should founders uh, look for them? Yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I don't have a Rolodex personally of uh, headhunters that um, at the ready, but I know that they are prevalent in all of the normal circles uh, as far as conferences go, as far as um, you know, research in terms of the types of industries and the groups that exist, and they're usually fairly not that difficult to find, and you know, they're always open to have a intro conversation. And that's something you should absolutely 100% take advantage of if you're serious about finding some there. So just some quick Google searching, early stage company headhunters in Silicon Valley or in New York or wherever the place you're thinking about doing this. Um, and it doesn't even have to be located in the same geographic region, but just do some searching and just be willing to have a conversation and be very clear before you do of what you are looking for. Because the hardest thing for a headhunter to do is give you any kind of response or thoughts or recommendations if you're not 100% certain of who you're looking for. Their job is not to help you figure that out. Their job is to help you find the person, but you got to craft that. So you tell me, I want a VP of sales who has been um, on the ride from zero to 10 million, two to three times, has an excellent track record and is looking for their next major gig right? That's a pretty finite list of people. And if someone is tapped into that community, boom. So be more and more as specific as possible when you have that intro conversation and they'll be able to tell you, look, that's not really my specialty. I really specialize in, you know, VPs of sales at $50 million a year companies or mm-hmm. something like that. Say, okay, cool split. But it's not just that you're looking for a VP of sales. You're looking for the VP of sales at this stage, doing these things, having done this yes. before that will help. There are definitely different VPs of sales. I've seen a bunch of them. And sometimes you hire a great VP of sales, but they're just not fit for this particular stage of the company. And then eventually they have to move on from the company. It's just sad. Uh, Demoralizes the whole team as well. So highly recommend making sure that you are very clear on your message here, as Neil said. Um, So let's move on to the very last question of today's episode, which is the call to action. So Nils, what do you want to listen to do as soon as this episode is over? So grab a copy of my digital, a digital copy of my best-selling book, 30 Day Leadership Playbook, by going to 330dayleadership.com forward slash book and read through it. 
and this is written, you know, I'm obviously born and raised here in the United States, uh, have an MBA in management organizational behavior, have been a leadership coach for the last 10 years, coaching people all over the world. And these are the foundational principles that are uh, prevalent regardless of location. So, you know, read this and I include some incredible tools in here that can help you inside of your organization today, whether you're in the States or not. And then as you, you know, branch out and open your office and get things rolling in the States, um, these can be very foundational uh, training elements that, hey, if there's an opportunity for me to help you in the future, I would love to, um, because the world with better leaders is a better world. And that's one I want to be part of. And that's why I do what I do to help empower leaders with the tools to confidently handle any situation. And I look forward to connecting with you at some point. If you want to reach out and have a chat, hit me at nils, N-I-L-S, at 330dayleadership.com and uh, tell me about your situation. I would love to hear it. Perfect. For people who are very bad at spelling, as bad as me, I'll make sure to include all those links in the description of this episode, along with uh, Nils LinkedIn and, of course, with his email, which he just mentioned. And at this point, I cannot... <laughs> spell it out already so for people who struggle as much as i do definitely check out the description of this episode everything is going to be included there and also i'll follow up with nils to see if there are any other resources about uh leadership coaching that you would like to include there as well and as always have a good day